Hello, this is Pastor Sam Velez, and I'm so glad that you're joining us for our service. We hope you enjoy this message today, that it blesses your life and your families. We love you. I use an alarm every single day to wake up. In fact, this morning, I used an alarm. Because if I don't use an alarm, I won't wake up. If I, and if it's happened to me. It's, I don't know if it's ever happened to you in your phone where you think you put your alarm and it never goes because you never did it. In your mind, you thought I did it. You probably clicked on the little thing to clock, the clock to put an alarm and you never did it and you're late to work or you're late to something. But we use the alarm because an alarm wakes us up from something, from an unconscious state to a conscious reality. It wakes us up. It gets us up to say, hey, I got to go and, 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 and I got to go to work. I got to go to school. I got to do this project. And thank God for alarms. And if we don't have alarms, you know, we have spouses that will wake us up. We have family members that will wake us up. Your kid will wake you up. And so, you know, we, we're grateful for the alarms that we get. And, 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 and one of the things that I like in sports, when there's an athlete that people don't really notice or aren't talking about, they'll usually use a term called don't sleep on him. They'll say, like, man, don't sleep on that person. Watch. This person is going to be good. Watch. This is really, really good. Don't sleep on that restaurant. Don't sleep on that movie. Watch. It's going to explode. And we use that term. And the, the, and the reason why I'm using the title, don't sleep on him, is because here's the thing about God. God is asking us to wake up for a new reality. God is asking for me and you to wake up to a new reality. The past couple of months, we've been talking about this reality of authority. For some of you, maybe this was the first time that you ever had a teaching on authority. You're like, man, I never really thought about authority like this. But, but now I'm starting to understand. And, and now I'm starting to apply this to my life. And, and it's the same thing when it comes to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is always advancing and it's never retreating. The kingdom of God is his physical rule. It's, it's, it's a visible rule on earth. It's for his people. It's the kingdom of God. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God all the time. His kingdom, his rule, his, his mission, his agenda. And, it's a, and he wants us as the people of God to recognize that we serve a God that has an unshakable kingdom. A kingdom that's not limited to circumstances. A kingdom that's not limited to situations. A kingdom that's not limited to, to emotion. No, no, no. Our God is not limited to, to any of these things. And it's our responsibility to respond to that. To respond to that. Because if we can learn to respond to that, we'll live different. We'll think different. We'll talk different. We will pray different because we understand the kingdom that we're gaining with God. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to go. We're going to be in two passages, several. But we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to start in verse 14. Hebrews 12, 14. The writer of Hebrews says this, and nobody knows who the writer is. Some people think it's Paul. Some people think it's Apollos. Some people think it could have been a woman. Nobody knows. But the Hebrew writer says this. It says in Hebrews 12, 14, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless like Esau, who traded his birthright as the firstborn son for a single meal. 
You know that afterward, when he wanted his father's blessing, he was rejected. It was too late for repentance, even though he begged with his bitter tears. You have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, and whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. For they heard an awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible that they begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under the God's command. Even if even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he said, I am terrified and trembling. No, you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in a joyful gathering. You have come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is judge over all things. You have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. You have come to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but the heavens also. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that the only unshakable things will remain. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. Our God is a devouring fire. Amen. You have to understand something. When the, when this per, when the author was writing to the people in Hebrews, they were struggling. They had faith in God. But they were struggling. They were being persecuted. They were going through some difficult moments. So in other words, they were living a life. And in their mind, they're like, God, we have faith in you. But what in the world is going on? They had faith in God. But their circumstances had a different story. And so the writer of Hebrews is writing to these people to encourage them. And, and if you really study the book of Hebrews, you'll begin to realize that the, 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 the author is trying to get the people to understand who Jesus is. And who Jesus is. Because it's really easy for me and you to be limited to our circumstances. It's really easy for me and you to be limited when we give more room to our complaints than our worship. It's very easy for me and you to continue to talk about a problem instead of going to the man with a solution. And so God is trying to get, the author's trying to get them to say, hey, wake up. Wake up. Yes, you got some circumstances right now, but man, you got a God that has an, a kingdom that's unshakable. Yeah, you might feel like there's a shaking. You might feel like there's an attack going on, but you serve a God that's above all that. You can't be shaken by the circumstances. Open up your eyes again and see the hand of God one more time. That's what the author is trying to get them to understand. Because as, as humans, it can get very easy for me and you to look at the problem and all we see is the problem, not the hand of God. Removing the problem. All we see is, man, this thing doesn't change. I've been praying about this and it keeps happening again. 
And before you know it, we are clouded by the circumstances. And when we are clouded by the circumstances, what we are actually doing is we're limiting God's work in our life. When me and you are complaining and when me and you are trying to do things in our own strength because we're impatient, we're like, this isn't changing. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to take this step and that step. When we and you get out of desperation mode or impulsive, we make impulsive decisions because we're desperate on the inside. What we're actually doing is we're limiting God's hand. We're limiting God's hand. We're We're limiting what God can actually do. Instead of putting our full trust in him. It doesn't mean that me and you have to sit back and relax and, well, I'm going to sit on my hands and just see what God does. No, no, we got to be proactive. But what I'm trying to say is don't limit God by what you see right now. The Hebrew people, the author's trying to say, hey, don't limit God because of the circumstances that you're facing. Don't limit God by your thinking don't limit God by your, what you're saying. Don't limit God by what you're feeling in that moment. Because sometimes we go out of feeling. And in that moment, we begin to say things and do things because of the feeling in that moment. But that moment doesn't mean truth. It's just what we feel. And so you have to ask yourself, am I acting out of impulse or am I really trusting God? Am I acting out of just the feeling in the moment? Because the moment in that, when I'm feeling, whatever I'm feeling in that moment seems true. Or am I really saying, God, help me to discern what is true. If if what I'm feeling, is it really from you? Or is it the enemy trying to get me to get distracted and discouraged? What am I feeling? And so today, if you're taking notes, I want to talk about three things as we're talking about sleeping on the Lord. And what I mean by don't sleep on him is because the Bible says, go back to verse 25. One of the first things I want to focus on, he says, be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. You got to recognize that God has something to say. God has something to say. And he's telling the people, I'm about to shake things up. And whenever God does a shaking in something, it's because he's about to bring something new. What we feel is, God, you're shaking things up and you're messing up my plans. And I have this 10-year plan and it doesn't look like the 10-year plan because you came and you changed this. It's because he's about to do something new. So I'm here to encourage you. If there's a broken relationship, thank God for it. Because he's about to give you something better. If there's a business plan that you were banking on and the other side of the people didn't agree with you, thank God because there's something better. He's shaking things up because he has something better for you. And we can't cry about what was. Why do, you think, why do you think in the book of Joshua, the very first thing that God tells Joshua is, your Moses servant is dead. Basically, he told him, move on. You've cried long enough. You've mourned long enough. You've been sad because Joshua was loyal to Moses. Jo- Moses was Joshua's, you can call it a mentor. Joshua followed Moses to the very end. And when Moses dies, he naturally is upset. He's sad. There's mourning. He no longer has the person that he used to talk to, eat with. He was 40 years in the desert with. He saw the miracles. He doesn't have that anymore. But God called him to lead the people into the promised land. And God's telling him, hey, you got to move on. I know. Your Moses, it sounds morbid, right? Like, he's dead. Get over it, basically. But he's saying... Move on. 
Move on. And for some of you, this is a word to you. Move on. It's a word. You've been, you've been mourning for a long time. Move on. Move on. And recognize that God has something else for you. And God wants to give you something new. Divine disruptions are what God brings to the table when he's trying to shake something up. When the people of, in Egypt were for 400 years in slavery, what does God do? He brings a divine disruption. He sends Moses to disrupt what the enemy was doing for 400 years. When, when, when Mary was on her own and living her life as a 15, 16-year-old girl, God disrupts her life and says, hey, you're about to give birth to the Savior. And it ruined, it's like, oh my gosh, she's 15, she's 16 years old. She's the first 16 and pregnant before the show ever existed. She's the first one. And God disrupts it. God will disrupt plans sometimes. Not because he's a bad God, not because he's a God that's a terrible God. No, no, no. He disrupts it in a way that says, hey, I'm trying to get you out of where you are to bring you to where you need to be. I'm trying to do it. I thank God. I thank God. At the moment, it was tough. But when God called us out to Pittsburgh, it was a divine disruption. It was a disruption. It disrupted every plan that we ever could think of. But he called us out of Pittsburgh because he had to impart something in us that we, we would have never gotten anywhere else. We would have never got that anywhere else. But he, he disrupted us. For some of you in this room, a divine disruption looks like the word of God coming into your heart and ruining every thought that you used to have. God will shake things up with his word. God will shake mindsets for his word. God will shake attitudes for his word. God will shake things up so that you can come into the will of God. So that you can have an encounter with God and not be against God, not be stubborn, not be bitter, not be selfish. No, no. God will disrupt these things so that the word of God can bring healing and life to you once again. That's why the author says, don't refuse the one who is speaking. Why? Because the Israelites give the example of what it looks like when we refuse God. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. It was supposed to be an 11 day journey turning 40 years, walking in circles. Think about that. The journey was not supposed to be that long. They were supposed to get out of Egypt, go into the promised land. It's like driving a couple of hours, going from here to Dallas or Oklahoma. That's all it is. It's a drive. But because they refused to listen to the one who was speaking, they find themselves in the desert for 40 years. And generations died without ever experiencing the promised land. And my encouragement to you, church, is this, is that don't refuse what God has to say. Every time we come into the house of God, do not refuse what he has to say, even if it makes you uncomfortable. Because the problem is, church, is that if we give our flesh more importance, we will miss out on what God wants to do. If we want to give into our flesh more, we're going to get fleshly results. But if we can give into the spirits of God, if I can give into the word of God, I'll experience everything that God's word has for me. I'll experience all his promises. I'll experience all his healing. I'll experience all the provision. If I give in to the word of God, because my God is a provider church. My God's a healer. My God's the God of breakthrough. My God's the God that opens up doors. Church, you got to understand, we serve a God of the impossible. We serve a powerful God. And if you give in to God, watch what God will do in your life. Don't give in to your flesh. That's why the Bible is so in. Paul was so big on it. 
He says, don't. He talks about all the time, don't give in to the flesh. Don't feed your flesh. Feed into the spirit of God. Because when we and you are feeding into the spirit of God, we get clarity about things. I'm sure you can look back and say, man, there were some decisions that I made that I totally regret. And I did it because I was angry. I did it out of bitterness. I did it because I did not give room for God to speak. And the way me and you can hear God best is when we learn to not only recognize that he's speaking, but humble ourselves to hear him. The Bible says that the Lord rejects the the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It gives grace to the humble. The one that says, God, I, I don't got it all together. God, I don't know everything. God, this situation is so big that I keep trying to make decisions because I think they're the best ones. But Lord, show me the right one. Show me, even if it, I'm not comfortable with it, even if it hurts my feelings, even if it doesn't look like what I want, show me the right one. Because if you're going to base your decisions out of what makes you feel good, then it's not probably the best decision. Because some decisions will cause you to have faith in God and it will, not make, it will make you uncomfortable. The word of God, church, brings healing, but also the word of God breaks strongholds. And sometimes if you're not comfortable, you'll be comfortable with a stronghold that God is trying to break. He's trying to break it. He's trying to break attitudes. He's trying to break lack of faith. He's trying to break things in you so that you could receive everything he has for you. He's trying to do it. But you have to recognize that God is speaking. Every day when you get into the word of God, recognize that he is speaking. Recognize that, Lord, you are speaking. In fact, if, can you go to Proverbs? I want you to go to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. It says this. It says, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. What is the word, God? One more time. Some people aren't getting this this morning. One more time. Verse 20. My child, once again, like the author of Hebrews, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. The word of God brings life to me and you. The word of God will bring life and healing to me and you. When me and you come, recognize that God has something to say every single day, we will find healing. When me and you make room for God to speak, we will find healing. When me and you begin to humble ourselves and take a step back and say, God, what do you have to say? We will find blessing in every area of our life. But we got to recognize that he's speaking. We can't refuse him just because some things that he says I don't like. I got an agenda. I got a plan. I like doing things this way. But when we surrender to God, we come to realize that even though you might not like it in the moment, it was the best thing for you. And God will shake things up. He says, I'm about to shake things up. 
so that I can bring something new. God's about to shake things up in our nation so that he can do something new. And he's already done it this year. God is shaking things up because he wants to do something new. You think the Roe versus Roe v. Wade was the first thing that he shakes up? He's about to shake things up to do something new. To do something new. And I don't know about you, but I want God to do something new. I want to experience new things. I don't want to live like 2021. I want to walk into 2023 with something fresh from the Lord. I want God to turn things around for me and my family. Can you all agree that? Amen. Recognize that God has something to say. Prioritize God. The Bible says this in verse 28, 12, 28 in Hebrews. One more time, it says, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire, a devouring fire. He says, be thankful in all things. Since we're receiving this, be thankful. Let us be thankful and praise God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. Be thankful and worship him. When me and you, can I tell you something? When me and you learn to be thankful to God, it changes the way we see things. When you're in prayer, can I, tell, can I give you a tip? As you're praying and you're having a prayer time with the Lord, spend at least five minutes just thanking God for things that he's already done. And watch how it changes your prayer life. Because when you begin to be thankful and you start thinking about the things that God's already done, it starts reminding you, oh yeah, he did do this for me. Oh yeah, I'm praying about this. And so if God did that for me 10 years ago, he can do this for me now. And it changes, it reverses. But we have to be church. We have to understand that we have to prioritize God. If we're going to re- re- receive an unshakable kingdom, then we have to prioritize him. We have to be thankful and we have to learn to worship him. We have to be thankful in all things. The Bible says to be thankful in all things, not in some things, not only when there's mountaintops. No, no, to be thankful in all things. Not, I'm not saying that you have to be thankful when sickness comes to your life because no, that's not God. Not to be thankful when there's sickness or when there's problems. No, no. But to be thankful that we serve a God that is above all things. We serve a God that is above all things. He's a devouring fire. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. To be thankful that we serve that kind of God that cares enough for our life that he will do what he has to do. To be thankful. The fact that you're sitting here and you woke up with breath in your lungs, that's, some, that's something to be thankful about. You could have died in your sleep, but you didn't. There's some of you in this room that you should have died because of sickness, but you're sitting in this place. Be thankful. Be thankful. There are some of you in this room that divorce should have been a part of your story, but because of God's grace over your life, be thankful. Well, Pastor Jim, it's just not all my life is perfect. Okay, be thankful. And continue to press forward that God will do what he has to do. But be thankful. We don't got to wait till Thanksgiving to be thankful, church. I feel like Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. But man, I feel like in every church in the world, we use that month to be thankful. Instead of saying, God, I thank you every single day. I refuse to do a series on being thankful just because it's November. Because that should be a lifestyle. Of being thankful. Be thankful. Give thanks to the Lord. 
and watch God open up the heavens for you because you chose to be thankful. You know, in the Gospels, I'm, rem- I'm reminded of when Jesus fed the 5,000. If you read the Gospels, there's a time where Jesus feeds the 5,000. And when he feeds the 5,000, what happens before that? They're nervous. And the disciples are scared because there's no food to feed the 5,000 people. And the, if you don't know Bible, 5,000 men, but they don't include women and children. So that means it must have been more, probably like 10,000 people. And Jesus, and they're like, Jesus, how are we going to feed? And this boy brings fish and loaves. Not too much. It wasn't enough. But what does the Bible say that Jesus does? The Bible says that Jesus breaks the bread and he gives thanks. And what was not enough becomes more than enough. Church, we serve a God that's a more than enough God. We serve a God that when we choose to give thanks to God, he'll multiply everything else in your life. And when we choose to trust God, he'll multiply. When his word becomes real, he will multiply the things that was not enough for your life. He'll multiply it. So I'm here to encourage some of you in this room that we serve a God that's more than enough. If you're feeling it's tight and you're feeling, God, I need you to come through, God's going to come through. Every time I come up here and preach the word, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm preaching truth to you. This is just one testimony of the many testimonies God's going to do in this church for your life. That's a testimony of a man believing God. Not believing me. Not believing whatever I'm saying, believing what God's word says. That's why we preach the word of God to you, so that you can believe his word and act on it. And now this man's father is in his house. That that excites me. Because I know there's some of you in this room that are asking God for certain specific things. And God's going to answer them in Jesus' name. The last thing is this. Not only do we need to prioritize God but we need to advance the kingdom. He says, you're receiving an unshakable kingdom. That means that me and you have received a kingdom. We're receiving Christ that is not shaken by the circumstances of this world. You're serving a God that's not shaken by what the government's doing. He's not shaken by what the White House is doing. He's not shaken by what's happening around the world. No, no, no. We serve a God, a kingdom that is unshakable. And because we're receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, it is our responsibility, church, to advance his kingdom. To let people know, hey, you got some circumstances, but I got a God that has the answer to it. I got a God that, hey, you need to come with me to ICM on Sunday and watch what God can do. If you give God a chance, he'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. We're believing God to advance the kingdom. We got a city to reach, church. Church, we got to advance. We're believing. This, this is a kingdom. It's a kingdom culture, church. It's a kingdom culture. It's a culture. It's different. The kingdom of God operates different than man. The kingdom of God doesn't operate like the world does. The kingdom of God doesn't get stressed out like the world does. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God advances every single time. That means that God is calling us to be kingdom families kingdom marriages, kingdom sons and kingdom daughters. God's calling us to, to reach people so that they, they can come into the kingdom. The kingdom of God is what me and you are living for. When we die, we're going to a place that's perfect. But until then, we're receiving an unshakable kingdom on earth to operate in, to advance, to share, to build. It's a kingdom culture. The kingdom is different. 
And my prayer is, church, that God would light a fire in us to advance the kingdom, to let people know who Jesus is. We've been preaching Jesus these past couple of months. We've been talking about authority these past couple of months. Why? Because people need this. What people are watching and hearing is not enough. There's some of you in this room, it, it, you've tried a lot of things and it's, it's not enough. It's until the power of God comes that breaks strongholds. Until the power of God comes and sets you free. And the author in Hebrews is saying, hey, don't refuse. Like, don't ignore what God's trying to do. Before he says all this stuff, he starts naming things that we need to do. Some of us, he mentions root of bitterness. Maybe for some of you, you need to uproot bitterness. The only reason why there's bitterness in some of your life is not because you're a bad person. It's because you kept watering that plant instead of uprooting it. You kept feeding that instead of uprooting it. And God wants you to be free. Because if we live a better life, we're never going to see the sun. We live a better life. We're never going to see goodness in anything. We're always going to have something negative to say. We're always going to have something bad to say. We're always going to come to church with things that God's trying to uproot on the inside. Because you don't want to know why. God did not create you to be sad and upset all the time. He created you to be joyful. He created you to, to live a life with purpose. Not to be weakened and rooted in things that he never intended for your life. So instead of feeding a root that shouldn't be there, uproot it. Take it out. And fill it with the word of God. Fill it with his presence. Thank you so much for joining our service and for listening to us. We are located at 4519 East Del Mar Boulevard in Laredo, Texas. And we hope that you continue to be a part of our ICM family.